Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Banks face more complaints about selling insurance. Is this the next PPI? Brits face a French tax on holiday homes. Is this really cricket? And can anyone face reading the small print before investing? And is this at all surprising? All this to come on this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Elaine Moore. Hello. And Tanya Poli. Hello. As well as hearing from comedian and broadcaster Clive Anderson a little later on. Let's start then with the money news. This week, new figures from the Financial Ombudsman Service revealed that the number of complaints about banking and insurance services have hit the highest level in a decade. Over half of all complaints dealt with by the Ombudsman last year involved four of the UK's largest financial services companies, including the state-backed banks Lloyds Banking Group and Royal Bank of Scotland. This rise in complaints was mainly driven by the hundreds of thousands of people who believe they were missold Payment Protection Insurance, or PPI. But worryingly, the data also showed an increase in complaints about travel insurance, identity theft insurance and mobile phone cover. All types of policies sold by banks as part of packaged current accounts. Elaine, just looking at these figures makes me think, oh no, the banks are at it again. Could this be the next PPI scandal? I suppose we should say that the amounts of complaints about sort of mobile phone insurance or travel insurance, they are very small compared to the number of complaints about PPI. So PPI, there were about 100,000 cases last year. Uh, These other ones, this is a few couple of thousand. So it's not in the same scale because we know that millions of PPI policies were sold. But it is worrying that banks still have this policy of selling you something that you're not 100% sure that you're even buying rolling it all up into another product, and then you come unstuck when you try to make a claim on it. That's a good point, because it's, it, it might be smaller scale, but it's exactly the same principle, isn't it? It's something that's added on that you might not even notice, but you're paying for it. And I suppose the other thing is that with a lot of these policies, when you, you know, as you say, when you come to claim, uh, sometimes you can't. That's the, the big problem that customers have is that they are sold something they might know they might actually know that they were sold it it's it's written into the small print they know that it's it's there but what they don't realize is the lack of cover that these things give them so one example that the ombudsman said to me was that um, people were taking out bank accounts that have a sort of high profile name to the gold current account you know premier current account something that you feel it's quite prestigious you're paying a fairly large amount of money for it you might assume reasonably that the cover that you're getting within that gold premier account 
is of a very high status. And then when it comes down to it and you try to make a claim because you were injured when you were on a skiing holiday or you were further abroad than Europe, it turns out actually the insurance that you were given is not that wide. Exactly. But, you, but you, by that time you paid your premium, uh, the bank's made its uh, its profit margin and uh, uh, this sort of, you know, sort of problem is perpetuated. Um, just looking more broadly at the ombudsman figures, um, are there any other... Um, products or services that have been resulting in more complaints? There are. This is the busiest year ever for the Ombudsman and as you said a lot of that was driven by PPI. They're expecting PPI to continue to be the largest uh, sort of volume of caseloads uh, for the next few years but what we've also seen is a rise in complaints upheld against um, companies selling investment products to consumers who don't feel that they were properly told what they were buying. Now, let me guess. Might that include banks selling certain types of investment product that might or might not have the word cautious in the title? It's a very good guess. The Ombudsman doesn't strip it right down um, as closely as that, but what they did say to us is that there's a 60% increase in the number of upheld complaints against stockbroking and portfolio management. And so within that, we know that that is people who feel that they were sold products that were of a higher risk profile than they felt that they wanted. What's also quite interesting is you do tend to see these kind of cases arise when the stock markets come down. So stock market comes up, you know, even if people are in the wrong sort of... um wrong sort of investment for their risk profile, they're unlikely to complain. Well, because they they, they wouldn't notice, necessarily. Absolutely, they think they've done well. Stock market comes down, they look at their investment portfolio and think, if I didn't think I wanted to risk my money and my capital, why is it I've lost so much? Exactly. But uh, one theme I sort of notice with these ombudsman complaints is that it, it seems to be when a company sells a product that isn't its main sort of activity, that's when you get problems. Absolutely. That's what the Ombudsman have said to me as well. And that's what consumer groups are saying, too. It's quite interesting that so many of the complaints come from just a tiny handful of high street banks and that the um, some of the organisations that have had barely any complaints at all, building societies, NSNI, they've had, I think, 30 complaints in the last six months, barely anything compared to the hundreds of thousands that have come for Lloyd's, RBS, as you said. Um, what consumer groups think is that these organisations have a very small range of products. They're quite easy to understand. You know what you're buying. It's fairly simple. Banks, on the other hand, are selling you all sorts of things, wrapping up insurance, wrapping up investment into what you might not necessarily have wanted to purchase in the first place. Exactly. It's the, it's the ones that stick to what they know, as you said, like national national savings and investments. I expect they'll see lots of inflows from banks now that they've relaunched their index-linked certificates. Um, thanks for that, Elaine. And for more on complaints to the Ombudsman, including a breakdown of the products causing the most concern and the percentage of cases that have been found in the customer's favour, you can read Elaine's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, do you ever read the small print before making an investment? Clive Anderson tells you what you've been missing. But first, French holiday homes. In spite of our historical differences, France has remained the second most popular destination for Brits wanting to buy an overseas holiday property. Research from Rightmove earlier in this year revealed that French villas, apartments and houses accounted for 16% of all property web searches. But it seems that the French are getting fed up with us Brits buying up their des reses, popping over for a few weeks, but then leaving the properties empty for the rest of the time. 
As a result, the French government is now proposing a new tax on unlet foreign-owned properties of 20% of the theoretical rental value, which will actually be decided by the local French council. Tanya, um, you know, so much for the Entente Cordiale. How much are we now going to have to cough up if we want a, a place in the French sum? Well, the amount of um, tax, or this new tax that you'll have to pay, will vary significantly from the different areas in France that you have your holiday home in, and really to do the size of the property. So it could vary from perhaps the low hundreds of euros per year to the kind of, you know, as much as sort of several thousand euros. So it really does kind of depend on what the local commune um, decides they're going to charge you. And this is going to be decided by the French local authority. So it, it mm. sounds as if it's a bit like a, a sort of council tax, if you like. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, basically, all the people I've been talking to this week have said it's effectively it's, an, it's a second council tax for um, non-resident holiday homeowners. So um, at the moment, um, foreign homeowners home currently pay a um, local property tax, which is known as the tax frontier. Um, they're saying basically it'll be probably equivalent of that again. Um, so it's really just to kind of get some extra income really from from all those non-resident foreign holiday homeowners. And if you are uh, a, a Brit owning uh, a property in France, I mean, does that effectively mean the amount of tax you pay will roughly double? I think so, yes. Um, that's basically what people are saying. I mean, for the kind of wealthy, super um, sort of super wealthy, it might not seem such a um, big aspect because maybe you know it might be just a couple hundred more, a couple thousand more. Um, it's unlikely to really hurt them too much. But a lot of the property agents I've been speaking to are quite worried about the impact it will have on those holiday homers at the lower end of the market who have already been struggling over the past few years because of the um, weakness of the pound. Um, they're obviously having to transfer more of their sterling to cover their costs abroad, and um, many are already on the verge of kind of really sort of thinking about selling up. Um, I think we had news at the beginning of the year that, you know, a lot more people were, were thinking this year will be the crunch year for them and they might actually just have to give up. And this is bound to be kind of that extra last straw for them, I think. Yes, yeah, so it could just sort of tip them tip them over the edge and mm. um, yeah, send them scurrying back to, to Dover. Yeah. Um, let's be clear, though. Um, this is a proposed tax, hasn't come in yet, yeah. uh, and it's proposed on properties that are not let out for large chunks of the year, is that right? That's right. Um, I think you basically have to let out your property um, for the majority of the year for you not to have to face this tax. Also, it, as a result, won't apply to those of you who have a leaseback property, um, which is obviously a, a common form of investment for many British holiday homers in France. Um, so for you guys, that won't make any difference. It's really just for those who literally only use maybe their holiday home for their own purposes. And very quickly, um, there's also, I, I hear, uh, likely to be a, a closing of a tax loophole at the very, very top end of the sort of French property market, the sort of multi-million euro mansions, yep. chateau. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. It seems that the French government's really um, attacking sort of non-resident holiday homers at, at both ends of the market at the moment. Um, this is all part of um, these new wealth taxes that have been proposed by the French government last week in government. And like you said, obviously, it's still proposals. Um, but this is basically closing a loophole which um, saw wealthy holiday home buyers of properties, say, over 10 million mark. They would often buy their property using a kind of company structure which would basically allow them um, not to have to face the, the wealth tax that um, the French government um, you know, puts forward. Um, this is actually um, where they're basically proposed now that they're going to close this, which will see many um, very, very wealthy Russians and British. It's going to affect all kind of, you know, non-resident holiday homeowners, um, suddenly faced with a big tax bill each year. So what um, some of the tax experts I've been speaking to recently, they've been saying actually... Um, 
to limit um, the amount of wealth tax, which is basically based on the net value of your wealth. Um, more of these um, wealthy homeowners are going to have to actually go to get a loan out from a bank because obviously that will then limit um, the kind of wealth, the, the charge of the tax on their wealth um, because obviously all debt is, is excluded. So there are ways to minimise it. Yeah. Anya, thank you very much for that. And if you'd like more details about the proposed holiday home tax and the closing of that loophole for multi-million euro properties, look out for Tanya's two articles in the money section of this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, the small print. Do you ever read it? No? Well, you're not alone. According to research from investment group Scandia, only 7% of us always read full online terms and conditions when signing up for products and services. The rest of us just can't be bothered, with 43% saying that the small print is either too boring or full of words that we don't understand. And you can hear why. This is Clive Anderson reading just some of the small print on Scandia's own website. This agreement includes a number of words or phrases that have a very specific legal meaning. The definitions of these are as follows. Cut-off time. This is the deadline for your instructions to trade funds to be acknowledged by our system in order to meet the next dealing point. Dealing day. Any working day on which the fund manager accepts trades on a fund. Dealing point. The time up to which the fund manager will accept trades on a fund on the current dealing day. Dealing points for each fund are stated in our funds list. Plan. This means all of the policies, plans, accounts or bonds included in this agreement. Us, we, are. This means one or more of the companies within the Scandia Group that is the provider of your plans. It's almost enough to make you lose the will to click, isn't it? But Elaine, I suppose the worrying thing is that this research also showed that one in five people said that they had suffered financially as a result of just ticking the terms and conditions box that comes up on the website without having checked the details, and they found themselves either locked into contracts or unable to cancel transactions once they'd been made. So it's almost it's almost worth having to persevere with this you know, reams after ream of, of small print. The advice from consumer groups is always check the small print and shop around when you're buying something. But of course, there is a, an understanding from them, from the government, that actually reading small print is something that not very many of us do. That statistic at the beginning that 7% of people are reading the terms and conditions seems very optimistic It does. To me. Who, who are these people? I, 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 I never do it on a website. They I, have some time on their hands, I think. What's, um, what's quite problematic about terms and conditions, the small print in a contract, is that not only is it written in horrendous, dull legally speak it's also different by provider and by product so it's not even that you can check small print and understand that this paragraph is going to relate to this certain condition it's it's different it's written in different ways it's a, di- of a different length for different things that you buy and i thought that um small print on sort of paper documents uh, you know, it was governed by certain regulations which said you can't just bury important stuff in there. You have to you have to make it a bit clearer. Does that apply to terms and conditions on websites as well? Absolutely. It applies across the board. So the rule is, is that companies aren't allowed to hide key data in the small print. They're not allowed to sort of trap you into a contract. So, for example, with an insurance contract, if there's a certain exclusion, such as um, people over 60 are not able to claim on this insurance policy, that needs to be highlighted and put somewhere that can be easily spotted by the consumer. If it's not, and you are then unable to claim, you would have a case for being missold that policy. So you don't, well, <laughs> I was about to say, so you don't have to read the small print. You suppose you should do, really. You still should do, but it just should be fairly easy for you to understand. 
there's European legislation coming in to try to make it a bit more standardised across the board so that you'll understand a bit better how different small print terms and conditions relate to one another. But unfortunately, that has no bearing on making it more interesting. So Clive Anderson... Maybe more yes. actors are going to be needed to read out. Well, just just the idea of European regulation coming—it's just going to get worse and worse. Clive Anderson will be, you know, spending weeks just trying to read T's and C's on one particular website. Elaine, thank you for uh, warning us <laughs> uh, about this and uh, for those tips on uh, what to look out for. Uh, if you'd like to know more about these small print problems, you can look for Elaine's article in the Money section of this weekend's FT. No jargon or legalese there. Uh, that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you'll find all of these stories plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on our website ft.com forward slash money and you can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash ft money and if you've got a question that you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances just email us it's the usual address money at ft.com next week we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from tanya and elaine goodbye for more downloads go to ft.com forward slash podcasts Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.